0: Hi, I'm Lucas. And I'm Brian. And this is the Quacks Podcast. We got, we got a show to do. Alright, let's do the podcast. You ready? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. Cool. So what are we doing today? We're gonna do some stories from you about Hagar and uh, whatever else you want to share, and I have a story from CNN that's an amazing story. Okay, so it's just going to be a chill story day.
1: We'll just ping pong.
0: Yep. Okay. Um, do you want to start off with your Sammy Hagar story, or what was the other story you had a you had a Tom Cruise story?
1: I think I've got a few. Well, I was my I like at 17 years old, I got my dream job, and I was an intern at Paramount Pictures Studios. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Finagled it because I got out there. My dad's a guy that my dad helped out business wise. His brother was like some VP at Paramount, got me a job as an intern. Okay, got there junior year before going into senior year of high school. 17 years old. They asked for my ID, and they're like, As everybody knows, at orientation, you got to be 18 years old to be. And I go. <gasps> And I go, I forgot my license because I'm like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving nice. up on this. So back in the day, you could do this. But my dad, I go, Dad, this is happening. They're not going to let me have the internship. I got to be 18 to work there and I got to bring some kind of ID tomorrow. So he faxed a copy of my birth certificate and fudged, white outed the numbers and faxed it over. Oh, my gosh. And it, and it worked. Genius. That was back then it was like archaic it was ditto machines and craziness so wow. and that was it so I was the youngest person actually employed by Paramount Pictures at that summer so nice I got to see everybody from like Jack Nicholson to I met Tom Hanks and Bruce Willis and it was a cool, magical, it was actually the high point of my life. So everything since then has been <laughs> <laughs> steadily trickling downward. <laughs> no, no, it was good stuff. But no, the, the story that you were alluding to was like, I used to work on this this one uh, show that was, we were traveling. It was a reality kind of television game show. and And we were traveling around the country. I was on a different flight every week. I was somewhere else <clears throat> for like a year and a half pardon me and uh so anyways i'm on this flight from la to san francisco and i see sammy hagar the lead singer of van halen yeah when i'm going back he's in first class and i'm with the rabble and uh so i'm heading in the back and i go back up to him i I never did this but this was back in the drinking days so i had a little liquid courage and i went up to him and i was like man I never do this. I've met so many people and never asked for a picture, but I'd love to get a picture with you because I was a big Van Halen guy. Yeah. And uh, he was so gracious. He's like, let's not like do it right here because all the other passengers, I don't want to... He goes, when we get off the plane, I'll just wait for you in the terminal and then when you get off, we'll take the pictures. I said, really? He's like, yeah, totally, man. Dude, the guy was probably the first person off the plane. He waited for like 10 minutes for me outside you know the gate right there sitting on the wall sammy hagar waiting for me cool shit (laughs) his foot against the wall you know lean back against the thing and he sat there and he took pictures with me and my friends and i just never forgot that that was so gracious and cool yeah that Uh, is cool and uh so yeah no that was good times man wow we're just sharing we're just swapping
0: stories yeah dude it's so funny i love sammy hagar he did uh they did an album balance i yeah. want to say you remember balance that was their last one yeah like i listened to that with my dad dude that was so cool and sammy hagar had all those like you know he had all these like <laughs> Hagarisms. He did yeah, yeah Hagarisms. and oh my gosh we love that yeah such good memories with
1: that uh with that album yeah he was a good dude that's pretty cool yeah Do you still have those pictures I do, and they're old school, so I don't have any digital copies. Oh, man. So I, I think I have one floating around, because I'll find it every once in a while. I'll go, oh, got to hold on to this. This is the Hagar photo, and then gone again for another couple years. And then okay. I'll- <laughs> well, I'll bring it. We'll put it up as the uh, the picture for this I episode. I know where it is now. <laughs> I, ha- I have my hands on it now, so I'll definitely I'll bring it in. So what about uh, Tom Cruise? Cruise. You know, Cruise takes a lot of heat. Number one, I I... Anybody who knows me, I'm a big Tom Cruise guy, not just because of the story I'm about to tell you, but because he's been doing it since I was a little kid, and I'm old, and he Mm. was a huge star when I was a little kid, and he's still going strong, still making huge movies, still, I mean, like, how many stars are actually still making movies, not doing Netflix, even, or anything like that, no, no, knocks but he's a cinema purist and he's been doing it forever and he loves doing it. And it shows, I don't care what he believes in. I don't care about any of that stuff, dude, just keep <laughs> making mission impossibles and I love you forever, brother. <laughs> Talk to me goose. So anyways, <clears throat> I was at one point, uh, Rosie O'Donnell had a show that, Uh, kind of preceded Ellen DeGeneres' show. So before that, was like the Rosie O'Donnell show, and then Telepictures was this company, which is owned by Warner Brothers. And then they moved to Ellen. But before that, it was Rosie O'Donnell, and you probably don't remember it, but that was a really big show in the 90s. It was like a huge talk show, like daytime talk show. It was like Ellen. Yeah. But she loved Tom Cruise, you know, loved him, famously loved him. And she came out to do a show in LA once, and I was her production coordinator. So she came out and did a, a show for a whole, with a whole a whole show on Tom Cruise for an hour. It was a special thing. Mm-hmm. Went to him on the set of Mission Impossible Two, or in the editing bay on 20th Century Fox lot. Spent the whole day with him, and it was just a handful of us and Tom Cruise, who was just like. So chill. I couldn't believe because I was like, "This guy's kind of he's going to be." But still, you're a little enamored. He's my height, number one. Mm. In like, in like. Heels. I thought he was like four inches shorter than you, or something. Mm. I thought I would think you tower be an over inch him. Inch shorter than me. I think okay. he's about 5'8". eight. So, okay. um, but he had like thick shoes on. I mean, regardless, <clears throat> the the man is tall in stature. That's all I have to say. Uh, and he couldn't have been cooler. He was like, and it wasn't like, I didn't feel at any time that he was an act. Like, so unless he's the best sociopath on the world, like he would talk to me and he was engaged and he was like looking right at me. I mentioned my sister's name like early on in the day, like four hours later, he's like, so Kendra, tell me about Kendra. She, she's what, she, what, what grade is she teaching again? And he was just like would bring up conversation. He's like, my sister and I remain st- so close and I still work with her. And dude, I, mm. I just walked away just thinking this guy was the the coolest, you know, nicest, most gracious guy. And, uh, yeah, I just, I buy into the hype, man. He can jump on couches all day long as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. He, he, I've always liked him as an actor. He does have like a whole religion built around him. And like, People who do everything for him, you know? I
1: mean, it seems yeah. like kind of a nice life. <laughs> I pretend like it, that doesn't exist. I try to not think. But and the funny thing is, he didn't have any of that the day that we were with him. It was just him. He came, because he was already mm. on the lot doing the stuff. Yeah. And John Woo, who directed, he's like a legendary. Sure, I know. So I get to go into the editing bay and see them cutting this movie. The, the way that, and them talking about cuts that they're going to take out before. And it was so cool, man. Wow. Surreal. That's Once trippy. again, trickling downward, trickling, <laughs> trickling into antiquity. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way where we're all going, right? Oh, no, I love it. It's great, dude. It, it's life's a journey, not a dest, a niche Nice. Why did I shorten destiny? Why do I shorten? That's what the everything? cool kids are doing? All these kids are shortening everything. My my sister, my daughter. The big word is like sus. Like oh, they're a little sus. I'm like sus. Suspect. Or suspect. Oh my gosh. Or suspicious. That's, That's sus. So what's your story, man? You got something to share with yeah, us? Yeah,
0: I, I, this is actually, this is not a personal story, but there was a story on CNN, which is pretty awesome. Uh, it was making the rounds on the health forums and Twitter a week ago. So I don't know, maybe you saw it. Um, but it was about a guy named Doug Lindsay. And this is a crazy story of recovery and experimentation and all that so basically doug after his first day of college classes in his junior year in 1999 so we're going back to the 90s uh, he was 21 years old on that day he collapses right and he's intense dizziness heart racing total weakness um just in bad shape and the symptoms were so intense that he was literally bed bound you know he could only walk 50 feet per day Uh, and that was generally to the bathroom and maybe to the kitchen and back to bed before you know just being totally weak that's collapsing it. with weakness you know unable to do much heart racing you know he'd have he'd lay down his heart would get up to like 160 beats and he per wasn't second. obese no wasn't he was a big he was a real skinny guy
1: oh that's right you did yeah. mention the skinny part
0: did i i don't think i said he was skinny. Okay, you didn't he's 21 though okay. I mean, in college so i mean yeah 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 and this was the 90s so not everybody was fat back then <laughs>
1: <laughs> just the cool ones like us
0: yeah so this wasn't the first time it's shown up for him either. I think his mother had had similar illnesses uh, when he was, Doug was 18 years old. She could she would, could barely carry him because of how weak she was. And when he was four years old, she could no longer walk. And so she became bedbound for the rest of her life. Aye. And similarly, Doug's aunt had the same problem. And she was so weak that after a certain point in her life, she couldn't even like, tie her own shoelaces. That's terrible. So it's obviously some type of like hereditary illness, right? It's something that's like running in their family. And as far as what it is, they weren't really sure. Uh, the Mayo Clinic told Doug's mom that it was some type of thyroid disorder, uh, but they didn't really do extensive testing after that, so they didn't really know what it was. Mm. So when the same illness kind of struck Doug, he was determined to figure out what it was Uh, now doug he went to a lot of different specialists in endocrinology uh, neurology internal medicine you name it and none of them found anything conclusive and eventually they just referred him to a psychiatrist and said you know your your problems in that department at which point doug realized that you know he's going to have to get himself out of this this business oh boy oh boy so this is what i love about this story doug he's totally out of options from the medical establishment and so he decides that he's going to do it on his own And what follows is really like an 11-year journey of experimentation, research, trying to figure out what's wrong with him and what he can do about it. And it starts with this massive endocrinology textbook. And so Doug reads this thing. And after reading it, he discovers that sometimes adrenal dysfunction can look a lot like thyroid dysfunction. So he theorizes that there was a whole category of autonomic nervous system disorders that could exist beyond the regular categories that were used by endocrinologists and neurologists and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So he gets a computer. He starts reading online about different groups and conferences and uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And he finds these conferences that study autonomic nervous system disorders. And so he wants to attend one of these conferences and present his theory.
1: Okay.
0: Now you have to remember he doesn't, even have a bachelor's degree. Remember, he was in school, uh, so he had to drop out when all this stuff struck. Okay, so he's completely uneducated and just winging it, really. So Ooh. he sh- he shows <laughs> right. He shows up at this conference in a wheelchair, but like dressed really well, and he presents himself as a Jesuit trained scientist who is going to give a talk on theories around his illnesses. <laughs> so he presents so well that the doctors and Harvard trained scientists at the conference they they give him respect and they yeah. they consider his ideas seriously just because he put on this act yeah he's like i'm a scientist and i'm i'm looking at he didn't come as a patient basically he didn't come like i'm sick and this is what i think's wrong with me what do you guys think he came (laughs) as a scientist like okay i've been studying this illness now for so and so and he presents his theories and stuff like that and they're like oh wow and they listen to him and give him respect now they all reject it (laughs) they say it's all (laughs) they tell him it's total crap okay yeah Uh, of course but after the talk one doctor his name was uh let me see dr h Cecil Coglin. He approached Doug and he said, "Well, you might be onto something with your theory." So Doug thought that his this is basically the theory his adrenal glands were producing too much adrenaline. That that's the bottom line. It's it's more complicated, but that's what he thinks. Okay. okay. And what he needed was a doctor who would work with him and prescribe him certain drugs that Doug thought might help and be an ally and basically discovering a way out of this disease and you have to remember doctors they're very conservative in trying new things okay if they start experimenting yeah. and prescribing drugs for off-label use they can easily lose their license mm. so doctors they tend to stay within the lines from fear that all the time and effort that they put into getting their license will evaporate if they step poorly especially now especially now and these licenses they're worth millions of dollars over over your lifetime Maybe tens of millions. I don't know. But they're worth a lot. So they really do everything to not risk that. Which doesn't make a great environment for discovering, you know, new approaches to (laughs) things. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's why we're in this mess.
0: That's right. So anyway, this Dr. Coughlin, he was taking a risk to help Doug out. And they did all kinds of tests. They tried different drugs. And actually, they had some success. So Doug was put on a drug called Levofed. Uh, which counteracted the adrenaline that was constantly being pumped into his system by his adrenal glands. Yeah. Now remember, this is the theory, and this had never been done before, but it actually worked, and Doug got some of his life back. Now he still he had to basically be on a constant IV drip of this, so it's not fun. I mean, he he couldn't really like go anywhere. Yeah. Um. But he wasn't confined to his house as much as he was. Um, so things were moving positively when he got on this drug. That's good. Yeah. So anyway, Dr. Coglin, he also came up with a diagnosis. And after they did all these scans, eventually they theorized that part of the adrenal gland, it's called the medulla, was acting like a tumor and pumping out adrenaline constantly. Now, the medulla, it's inside the adrenal glands. You can almost think of it like an egg yolk in the middle of a
1: hard-boiled egg. Yeah, that made me almost throw up in my mouth when you just... Cripes the medulla is like an <laughs> oh god okay continue because uh, you made that fist thing too that they couldn't, I, see, you that couldn't yeah you can't see crazy egg yes uh, continue sir
0: anyway it's called bilateral adrenal med- medullary hyperplasia
1: of course
0: and there's only ever been thirty two cases of it ever diagnosed and so <sighs> you can imagine you know this diagnosis. Was doubted heavily by the whole professional community far and wide, but Doctor Coglin, he put his reputation on the line. He backed it, and anyway, after further research, Doug he came to the conclusion that the only way to move forward was to have the medulla medullas and his adrenals removed.
1: Oh, brutal!
0: Right? They're they're acting like a tumor, and they're putting out adrenaline all the time. And so he's like, "All right, we got to take them out."
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> The only problem
0: was this was not a surgery that was practiced or (laughs) even existed. What could go wrong? Right? Removing the medullas in the adrenal glands, it's apparently it's not necessary. And so
1: there's no methodology (laughs) of removing them. I don't mean to laugh at, at this morbid story, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, it sounds gnarly. It is gnarly. So at this point, it's 2008, right? Yes. And Doug,
0: he's been researching and testing since 1999, so almost 10 years You know, and he's looking for any info he can on how to remove the medullas. And he finally gets a big lead when he discovers a doctor who operated on rats in the 1980s. And was able to extract medullas from a rat adrenal gland. Oh my God. I don't want to describe how this, how this worked for I you. I can't. Wait. <laughs> so, the surgery, it was described you basically slice open the adrenal with a razor and you squeeze it so the medulla pops out almost oh. like kind of popping a pimple. <laughs> that's right. Oh. Oh. So, that's the surgery. Oh. Now, Ratatouille. Oh, now Doug also discovered a similar surgery done on cats in the early 1920s, as well as dogs. I I didn't really look into why that was happening, but, you know, a lot of things happened in the 1920s. So he's definitely getting some info, but Doug isn't exactly getting the type of info that, you know, he could take to a surgeon and be taken seriously. So Doug decides to pioneer this new form of surgery and try and get a surgeon who would be willing to perform it on him. Oh, (laughs) man. So he built a 363-page PDF in which he proposed the first-ever human adrenal medulectomy. Now, if you thought... Getting a doctor to prescribe you drugs off-label was difficult. Try and get a surgeon to perform a new untested surgery on what you. What jungle is this guy going into <laughs> to get this surgery done? Right? Yeah. So surgery, it's, it's so risky, you know, especially if complications arise. It's very easy for a surgeon to lose their license. Not only that, surgeons, they're super clicky. I guess, and so they all know each other. Of course. So if one surgeon says... You know says, how they are. You know, no, no, it's too risky. Other surgeons are going to be like, oh, okay, I'm not doing it either. <laughs> so, Doug, he has to be really careful how he presents uh, this surgery so that he didn't have all the door slam
1: in his face yeah. all at once. So I imagine... I, I, I z- mean, you would think that if they sign something saying, I'm not liable for anything that is... I mean... Couldn't you come? Up, you would think that there would be some kind of legal document you could come up with where they're like, "Listen, I'm going to do this, but I am not liable at all for the results of this because it's never been done before." Wouldn't you think? You'd think, but you know, then it's got to be at a
0: hospital or a university. That, does the AMA
1: crack down on you and go, "You can't. You just lost your license because you went outside the AMA too." Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. We'll get back to you guys on that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We don't. I don't know any surgeons to ask either. So they're great. Great. Hilarious. A hilarious bunch. So, Doug, he has to be really careful, right? And how he presents the surgery so that he doesn't have all the doors slam in his face all at once. And I imagined like Doug going down dark alleys kind of, and he has this like ivy drip in toe, like whispering to surgeons, hey, bro, you know, you heard of the first ever adrenal (laughs) (laughs) medulectomy? Shh, you know, keep it on the down low. Anyway. <laughs> so it took Doug 18 months to find a surgeon.
1: Where did he find the surgeon? He he
0: finally did. The the name of the surgeon was not given, <laughs> which I thought was funny. <laughs> but it was in 2010 at the University of Alabama Birmingham. He went into surgery and had one of his medu- medullas extracted successfully without complications. Oh, and so this was in this September. Is me
1: anxiety just hearing about this. This
0: was in September and 3 weeks after the surgery he was able to sit up in a sitting position for three hours for the first time in
1: years. Wow.
0: And then by Christmas, he could walk a mile to his church. That's inc- from
1: just having one removed.
0: Just one removed. Yeah. And then in 2012, he went and did the other surgery without complications. He had the other medulla removed. And a year later, he was well enough to fly with his friends to the Bahamas and partied up a bit. What? Right? From
1: just getting the medullas extracted. Yeah,
0: that was the that was the cause. His and medullas... he was the champion of his own surgery. There you go.
1: Why isn't this a movie yet?
0: Right. It should be. So by 2014, he was able to come off some of the meds he was on. Sadly, in 2015, Dr. Coglin died, uh, but he lived long enough to see this amazing recovery.
1: And it was because Dr. Coglin kind of. I mean, oh, dude, that's great.
0: This is a script,
1: right? And this, uh, the, that's how my mind works. You're so I'm thinking. going, I'm like, you said Coggle. I go, who are we going to get to play coggling?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it
1: was without his medulla. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. So, Doug, he eventually graduated with a biology degree 16 years after he was supposed to have originally graduated. And these days, his health is not perfect. He's still on something like nine meds, uh, but he can live his life without being in a bed or a wheelchair. And his story and experiences have brought him a lot of opportunities. So he goes around and gives talks and consults doctors on patients and in on ways to basically handle rare and mysterious
1: diseases. Why do you think he went back? I mean, he had such favorable results with the first... Operation why do you think he rolled the dice and got that second one was he still having major complications I
0: mean I'm sure he was still pretty sick and both of them
1: were acting
0: like tumors yeah. on this on these scans and okay. so that makes sense you know it's he could walk a mile but he wasn't you know doing great it's quality of life yeah quality of life so okay well anyway. i probably would have made the same decision i would have too he uh, he has a real gift apparently, of solving intractable problems. So uh, people are hiring him to try and help out with rare diseases.
1: The only difference, uh, if this was my story, yeah, I would go in there and go, I want my, d- my doulas out. And the doctors go, we can't do that. I'd go, okay. And then I would have just gone home. It wouldn't have been the same <laughs> yeah. movie that we got with good old Doug. Yeah, well, that's why I love
0: this story. Is This guy basically, through research and hard work, was able to discover this rare ailment that was affecting him and then develop a drug therapy and eventually pioneered a new surgery to save himself that is the greatest i mean what can you say about that that is the greatest. you know and he did it all while confined to a bed as well oh,
1: there won't be a dry eye in the house <laughs> <laughs> when you make this movie
0: i i have so much admiration for this guy yeah I that's love great story. that's a
1: great story man yeah i feel like you told this great, inspiring story, and I was telling stories about uh, like I was name dropping. <laughs> <telling> <laughs> yeah, but I go Sammy Hagar. He sang songs, and he's pretty, and he's he waited for pictures.
0: Yeah, but you know, this was from CNN. This was a curated
1: story from around the world. Like, you know, that's great, dude. I love that story. Yeah, and I can't believe I'm probably the first person in history that ever referred to Sammy Hagar as pretty.
0: Yeah, I don't know where you're going with that. Yeah. He did have blonde hair, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So did I at one point. So I'll link to this article. Um, he also gave a TED Talk that was pretty good, and we'll give some more pictures and details on his story. Doug, not his, Sammy Hagar. Yeah, not Sammy Hagar. <laughs> um, Let's make that clear. So if you want to be inspired, check I, it out. Dude, that was a great
1: story. I loved that.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of like us, too, you know? It's like, well, I mean, obviously, we're not in Doug's position, but it's kind of like a lot of people who are outside the medical system, looking for answers, looking to figure things
1: out. Right. Right. Yeah, so it's really inspiring. Because every day there's some kind of, oh, this is good for that? And uh, so the more we keep looking, the more we're going to keep finding if we spend our attention in the right direction. Definitely. So I had one more thing.
0: Uh, it was a news article from Mercola that just popped up and okay. I thought it was interesting. So was a cool article and it was about how much time you spend in nature i think most people they've heard that uh, spending time outside in nature is good for us in many different ways it lowers stress it ups the happy chemicals in our brain you've Mm. heard that right Yeah, of course yeah so there's a lot of studies that show that it's beneficial you know high blood pressure type 2 diabetes lots of more diseases all helped by being outside in nature yeah and what i liked about this article is it quantified how much time in nature was actually useful So this study was published in the journal called Scientific Reports, and it surveyed almost 20,000 people who spend time in nature on a weekly basis. So the study, it's a self-reporting study where they ask people, you know, how they feel and their time outside, that kind of thing. So, you know, not the most rigorous of scientific discoveries, but it could be possibly useful. And the survey found that the optimal time to spend in nature each week was two hours or 120 minutes. When you go over 120 minutes, the benefits start to drop off and even become negative when you get between 2 and 300 minutes.
1: Why? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, I mean, I I don't know why I didn't look up why that was, but I imagine it's like some people don't like camping or I, I don't know. So, so
1: maybe stress? Stress or, or stress on your body because your body's like this too much. It's or, hot or yeah, y- totally. y- you know, it's like if you're
0: looking at July 4th and you're going to go see um i don't know you're, you're sitting in the grass outside and you're watching fireworks you know after two hours aren't you kind of done yeah yeah so i don't know that that no, was no that was sense. my idea i don't know if that makes i don't know if that's true or not now those 120 minutes they don't need to be done all at once it can be separated into chunks throughout the week and if you go out in nature each day it's only about 17 minutes for the week which is not bad
1: what constitutes nature? Is that even like the desert out there? Yeah.
0: So other studies have shown that the benefits from spending time in nature are higher when the biodiversity in nature is higher. Okay. So more herb, herbs, birds, plants, butterflies. Trees, I'm sure. Trees. The oxygenation
1: is a factor.
0: Yep. The more, the better, basically. Okay. All right. So anyway, I thought that was cool. There's more... In-depth recommendations in the article, like exercise and meditation, if you're interested. Yeah. So. so go outside and play, but not
1: too much. Not too much. You'll get unhappy. <laughs> 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 I love being outside. I do, too. I feel, feel like, like good. I'm not doing it as much.
0: Well, it's summer right now. True. I can't wait until it cools down. It's
1: right around the corner. Yeah. I can't believe it's August.
0: I know. We're yeah. not going to talk about the weather, though. Well, no. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. all right anyway do you have anything else you want
1: to chat about no man i'll come up with some more uh benign celebrity sighting
0: stories anything interesting happen at the store like customer wise
1: have you guys been pretty slow right now i think everybody's kind of slow but we've always got people in and out of there um but yeah no uh a lot of people are coming in for digestive stuff right now. So I don't hmm. know if that means a lot of people are having digestive issues, but I've never seen so many people ask for psyllium husk in my life. Really? Yeah. Every other person, it seems like I'm talking to, them, bring bringing them back to get psyllium. Did That's they, strange. Yeah. Did they do something? Al Roker talk about psyllium or something? recently? <laughs> <laughs> the Al Roker set is coming in for psyllium. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. That's just, you know... All right. o- older folks in general yeah cool man okay yep thanks very much
0: and uh head over to www.quackspodcast.com help us out by shopping through amazon through us share if you like it and uh, we appreciate you guys listening and we hope you're staying cool out there thanks a lot everyone.